welcome to Conversations About Life. Well, thanks, Ryan, for being a guest on my podcast. Welcome. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. And I met you in the gym, in the sauna. That seems to be where I meet a lot of people. <laughs> You're not yeah. the first person to end up on my podcast who I met in the sauna at the gym. Yeah, the sauna is a good place to uh, kind of open up and unwind and start talking about different things in life. And yeah, you get to know people in the sauna. Yeah. So I can't hardly introduce you because I'm just getting to know you right now, though we it's been a while since we first talked. But um, you want to just give a little kind of a general introduction about just who you are, Ryan? Yeah, sure. Um, so I'm from Granite City, Illinois, originally. So I grew up in a pretty blue-collar town. Um, was always pretty active in school and sports and always played at a really high level and uh, was really kind of a go-all-the-way-or-don't-go-at-all kind of guy growing up. So I placed in state and nationals in wrestling and um, was the captain in school and uh, wrestled on a, an elite team growing up. We gathered guys guys from all around the St. Louis area, and we we stuck them in one club, and they were all you know state placers and champions and stuff like that. So we made each other better. Um, and then yeah, around twenty years old, I left for business school to Chicago, and uh, yeah, it was a very different experience. Opened my mind to a lot of different people, and uh, yeah, I spent almost ten years there. Finished business school, went to graduate school. I've worked in technology. Um, I've worked in hotels and met a lot of people through hotels and I've lived in Europe a little bit and, uh, traveled quite a bit. So yeah, I'm all over the place. <laughs> so what took you to Europe? I've actually got family in Holland. Okay. So my aunt and my uncle live in a small town in the South of Holland and, um, I try to keep in touch with them as well as, you know, just having the general experience of traveling around and meeting people from another country. I feel like it really opens your mind up to different perspectives and there's things to be learned from them that I think are positive things that, uh, yeah, I'm really appreciated for. So to have those experiences. Are they from there or did they move there? They actually immigrated from Vietnam. So I am half Vietnamese and then on my mom's side, I'm, I'm German and English. So, which is pretty common around this area <laughs> of a mix. So, uh, they immigrated from Vietnam, uh, to Holland and my, my father immigrated from Vietnam to the U S um, so yeah, I, I keep in touch with them and, uh, my last name is actually Dutch from my mom's side. So it, it's kind of a catch 22 where I get to go see <laughs> that, that area where my mom's family has some, some heritage, but they are from somewhere else, but still related to me. So kind of two birds with one stone, I guess. Okay. Oh, and then, so what are you doing right now then? Right now I work for a technology company out of England. And uh, we mainly work with beer and spirits manufacturers. So I manage the technology for all of our U.S. plants. And uh, I'm the only guy in the U.S., so it's a lot of responsibility. Um, it was a good opportunity. They hired me because the market opened up. <laughs> so I've opened up all of our customers here. So I know them well. I implemented them myself. Um, and then I'm managing them moving forward. Crown Royals up next. Uh, we'll be taking them paperless, basically, because they're operating on paper quite a bit. They'll be utilizing our software and saving upwards of a million dollars per year for that factory. So I'm pretty busy with that job, and I'm also starting a software company on the side. Um, so hopefully that will get rolling in the next year or two, and we'll have more accounts, and I'll be able to kind of do that full-time and uh, 
yeah, from there, it's all she wrote. I mean, I'll be traveling, learning, hopefully a lifelong learner and uh, be able to manage my time a little bit more. So, And then do you do software coding or are you kind of more oversee other people coding? Uh, at this point, more oversee other people. Okay. Um, so I started off in software sales out of university, and um, I realized being in sales, I wanted something with more security, some mm-hmm. more cushions. So I went back to school and learned how to program. Okay. So I, I had to do that uh, as part of you know gaining some experience and some some technical tools. And uh, after that, I got into technical support. Um, so I was sales, technical support. Now I'm in pretty much a consulting role where I do a little bit of everything. Um, so it's really helped me learn the, the software landscape as a whole. And, uh, what language do you program in? Uh, I've done some Python. Um, obviously, we're doing uh, a lot of HTML, CSS because our, we're in the cloud, the software applications through the website. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's actually in PHP. Okay. Um, so I understand enough, uh, you know, with the syntax and t- to kind of uh, convert like semantic ideas into the the code and make features and enough to work with the developer. So I actually have a meeting with him later on today to see what he's been up to and uh, hopefully finish some projects up and move forward. (laughs) Okay. Now, it's coming back to me. I remember what kind of piqued my interest about you. You have a poem that you wrote tattooed to your side, don't you? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So uh, I actually got that when I was 18. So uh, yeah, it was, a, it was a long time ago. I'm 32 now. So yeah, f- you know, 14 years ago. So is it okay uh, uh, living with you know your own poetry, uh, or are there any like, or do you get tired of it, or is it work out pretty well for you? I think the meaning behind it works out pretty well. Um, You know, at the time when I had it done, um, it was kind of a rough patch for me in life. So, you know, I I got the tattoo as a reminder. I knew it would be there forever. Mm -hmm. You know, I was conscious of that, and I I figured it would be a a positive reminder to have there forever, and so far it has been. Okay. Um, So just for the record, it says, Life, the intricate process and spawn of my inspiration. Like bittersweet October leaves, times will change. I am but a pawn in a set of oblivion, justification of my motivation to desire tranquility. And basically, it, it means, you know, um, we're all people in the world, right? We're all we're all kind of taking up some resources. We're, uh, I guess, uh, a pawn is a little bit of a trite word at this point, but again, I was 18. But it was just a reminder that uh, we're part of a bigger picture, right? And uh, you've got to find tranquility. You've got to find something that makes you happy, uh, pursue that happiness, and just never forget that because life, it changes. It, you will change as a person throughout life. The people around you will change. But you just have to remember, you know, to find that happiness, you know, do the right thing. Okay. Are you still into poet? Do you still write poetry? And, and, and Yeah, yeah. Okay. I actually, I have some on a site called uh, DeviantArt. Okay, yeah. Which uh, some people might have heard of. It's pretty popular. And, uh, you know, I I like all kinds of different poetry. And I've wrote some about war and some that are maybe a little bit more masculine. Um, But, yeah, I think poetry is a good way to, you know, take a look at a different perspective and, you know, open up, you know, to somebody's deep thoughts. And, uh, yeah, I've always liked writing, so. And then um, how would people um, find your work on DeviantArt? Like, is there a special name for it or anything like yeah that? it's been a while since i've been on there but uh i think the name might be overpowering sandwich 
Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that's the name I used uh, back okay. in the day for everything. So, yeah, if you find that name, it's probably me. Okay. And then just thinking about your poem, like you, you said, we're a, a pawn. So what's your, um, like, what's your, how do you see life and what do you mean by being a pawn? I think I realized from a young age that there are things that you can't control. And uh, that was, yeah, I grew up pretty fast. So, you know, I think when I, when I realized that you don't have control over certain things, that you should make use of the things that you do have control over. And, uh, yeah, don't, don't lose an opportunity, you know, make use of your time, um, because you never know what's going to happen. Um, most things are out of your control, you know, and what you do have control over that you you should appreciate those things. So I, I would never forget that, you know, and I, in business and with software being in Chicago, I, I never forget that. So, okay. Are you involved in, like, any other kind of literature? Like, um, you know, I guess, are you into other people's poetry as well? Or Yeah. Um, I mean, uh, I think in general, um, I mean, I liked uh, Robert Stevenson growing up. So, like, okay. adventure books like Treasure Island oh, and, yeah. like, yeah, Robert Louis Stevenson. And, right. You know, um, I liked adventure books growing up. Um, and some poetry. I actually had some that were published when I was 15. Oh, um, of your own? Yeah, okay. yeah, in a cool. book. So I, you get like a copy of the book and all that stuff, you know. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. But it's been a while since I've been into it. So um, I, offhand, I wouldn't be able to like say any names that I read on a regular basis or anything like that. But uh, yeah, in general, I like it and appreciate it. So, yeah. Okay. I guess, you know, what is your um, just overview of... I mean, your viewpoint of life, like, is it more of a theistic viewpoint with, like, a a creator or more naturalistic or something other than that? Or just what are your, you know, your perspective on things? Yeah, um, well, honestly, I would say for myself, I'm probably more of a science-based thinker. I try to take into consideration everything, and I'm not closed off to ideas. Um I guess the simple fact is we don't know for certain, but we can have very strong beliefs. And if it makes you a better person, then I'm all for it. Um, I believe in just being a good person regardless. Um, yeah, I, I'm really into anthropology and stuff like that. So uh, I find that stuff pretty interesting. Anthropology, like, and what is that? Uh, it's the, the study of where human beings came okay, from. I and, see. And our evolution and things like that. So Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, that word, if it's the same, like sometimes people talk about a person's anthropology, is that right? Like, you know, and it, talking about their work over the years and stuff, or am I thinking of a different word? That might be being used in a different context, yeah. but I'm not, I'm not completely sure. Okay. <laughs> um, okay. And, um, well, I, um, I did jot down some questions and, you know, just kind of to get discuss- the discussion going and stuff. And we can go there yeah. unless there's anything in particular that would be interesting to you that you already have in mind that, whether you know, topics would be interesting to talk about. No, no sh- shoot away and, yeah, feel free to ask me whatever. And, uh, 
yeah, we can just kind of take it from there. You know, I figured impromptu is the best way, you know. Sure. Okay. Um, well, let me see what I got here. Um, okay. Like, my first question. Are you satisfied with your life? Um, it sounds like you are. It sounds like you sound pretty optimistic. <laughs> Yeah, I would say I'm a pretty optimistic person. Um, you know, if something's bothering me, I'll think about something else that is good and positive, right? I mean, if you lose one thing, you always have something else. Um, life is a, I think it's really about perspective. You see people in horrible positions in life, maybe that are dealing with things that most of us would find really difficult. But then you, you meet certain people that can smile through all of that. And then you, you kind of look at them and you're like, that person is so strong. They're so positive. What are they doing that's different than other people? Well, they're just, they're finding the, the good in everything, right? They're focusing on a certain perspective and way of thinking that's helping them to be happy. So I would say for the most part I am, um, but I'm maybe more, more of a driven type of person. So I really feed off of accomplishing things. And if I don't, then I think I start to not feel so great. Um, even on a day-to-day basis, I have to go to the gym quite a bit. So, uh, it, it's a big de-stressor for me. I don't think it'll ever change. I think maybe partly genetic the way I'm wired too. I mean, I was, you know, I gravitated towards sports from five, six years old and I never stopped. So there's some guys that kind of, they kind of retire, I guess, get out of shape a little bit over the years, but, uh, I'll never stop, you know? So I can relate to that. I was just thinking a couple of days ago. It was just like an observation. Like if I'm struggling with something, like some kind of concept, trying to figure something out in my head, mm-hmm. thinking through things, I am just having a better day than if I don't have anything interesting to think about. You know, right, And that yeah. seems similar to what you're saying, like you're driven and it seems like that you enjoy that. Yeah, yeah. I think that goes for most people, right? Like uh, nowadays people have become more sedentary Mm -hmm. because of technology and things like that. And you, you find people who have good jobs, they make good money, but their, their job is so lackluster and maybe, um, you know, they don't deal with other human beings very much and they're not very happy in those positions. Mm -hmm. So I think that that's a clear indicator that we all have, you know, intuitive or natural tendencies as people that we need. And some of that is being challenged, right? Some of that is having some variety in your life. And if you can be conscious of those things, you can give those things to yourself and, again, have a better life, right? Um, some people, I think, are are not as conscious of that, and they kind of go in circles. and They're trying to figure out what's going on. But for some people, it's pretty easy. <laughs> it's, well, well, let me ask you about this. So there is that aspect of, like, satisfaction in life just because things are pretty good around us and because we're doing something that just makes life, it just engages us. So that's always better. And having people around us. But, you know, when you look at life as a whole, you know, we're, we're kind of going up, going up, getting better, growing skills. But then, like, we start going downward. And, yeah. you know, and then this, these bodies that we depend upon, they kind of, like, just start crumbling away to dust and eventually that's what you know it becomes and then even mentally you know you that's a part our brain is a part of our physical body mm-hmm. so that starts not working so well and stuff like that so um 
does do these things that kind of make life feel good because we're engaged and stuff like that. You know, what about when that falls away? What makes life satisfying then? Um, will the thing that we're kind of holding on to um, fall away? Will satisfaction fall away? Or is there like a bigger picture or something else that um, is kind of like that foundational type of thing to support one's life, and so, so to speak? Yeah, I mean, uh, life is its a never-ending journey, right? As long as you're here, I think you'll always need the same things. Um, I think some people have this mindset that when you retire or when you get to that point of depreciating returns or, you know, you start to crumble a little bit that you, you may not need the same things and that you just need to do nothing. And some people's idea of retirement is doing nothing. But I think you just need to, to change the path that you're on and find something new. Um, and I see that in people. You know, you have people that move to Thailand when they retire or, you know, they'll go to another country and it's a whole new world. So they're they're starting completely over in some aspect and they enjoy that. Um, and then you have people at the same age who maybe they, they don't really do much, but you see different outcomes for those people as well. So, I mean, I you always need those, those things that you need your whole life, right? You never stop needing them. Um, at least that's my perspective. Yeah. All right, my next question was, um, well, let me see. I put down here, what obstacles in life have you overcome? I don't know. Do you have any thoughts about that? Any things? Yeah, I would say for me, I, I've overcome quite a few obstacles. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we ended up in Granite City because my grandfather was in the Army. So he was stationed on the military base out there. Um, I think my mom was really tired of moving around growing up and she had kind of a different personality. He was more strict kind of by the book and she was more kind of uh, free spirit. Yeah. So when she settled, she decided she was going to stay, even though it was kind of more of a compared to like Germany, they had lived in Germany and such. Uh, it was more of a blue collar area, you know, and, uh, but she liked having friends and she made friends pretty good, uh, pretty easily there. And she, yeah, she settled there. So that's, that's where I grew up, and, uh, you know, growing up, we didn't have a lot of money, um, so I always had to work hard, and I was always real good in school. You know, I, I participated quite a bit. Um, I was a class clown. I got sent down to the office a lot, but people were laughing when I left, so <laughs> there was no harm done. Um, uh, so, yeah, I mean, I joined sports, and, you know, the guys in middle school, I was kickboxing at the time, and they were like, oh, will you kickbox, can you wrestle? Because we all wrestle with the school, and I'm like, well, I'm going to go out for the team. First year I went out, I ended up starting, and uh, second year I was ranked in state. So, um, again, I mean, personality shows through everything, right? Um, you know, I, I worked hard, and... Um, you know, I, I did good in school. I had friends through those sports. And uh, yeah, when I was about 15 or 16, my mom really had a hard time. And she, she really couldn't pay for the house anymore. And I think that was a big turning point in my life, especially being a popular guy. You know, I dated one of the prettiest girls in school, you know, but I had all these things going on in my personal life. And I think I kind of wore my heart on my sleeve and people knew, you know, that something was going on. And I think for me at that time, it was a really shameful time for me. I didn't like having help. I was a very, uh, I guess from a young age, a kid filled with pride. <laughs> I liked to accomplish things on my own. Um, yeah, I had friends that had offered me, you know, a place to stay and things like that. And I, I kind of turned it down, which looking back, I was like, 
they were good people. I should have just accepted the help, right? <laughs> but I had a chip on my shoulder and I wanted to, to help myself. Um, so, you know, I worked really hard for the next two or three years. I got in some trouble and stuff too. I was kind of on the wrong path. Um, but I always knew I would get back on the right path and I knew what I wanted. So I went to community college, made some pretty good grades and I went to, to SIUE university, did pretty good. And then I got into university of Illinois at Chicago in business school and to the entrepreneurship program, which was ranked 17th in the nation at the time. So I took off, went there, um, worked really hard through business school, was really involved. I played soccer. I entered some entrepreneurship uh, competitions. I was in a business fraternity. And then uh, the last year of school, I was working 32 hours a week at the hotel. Um, yeah, I finished school. And then I just, you know, the day I was at graduation, I was like, I can't believe this is happening, you know, because I didn't even finish high school. You know, I, I left high school, which was a big thing for me. I was in advanced classes. So to have to leave high school, I think, really affected my, um, you know, my vision of myself, not being able to finish something like that and to be capable, completely capable. Um, so I made up for it. But I, I graduated business school and I went to graduate school. I even thought about going to medical school. Um, but was like, you know, I've got, I've got my foot into technology so much that I'll have to do a total roundabout to get into medical school. And it's probably in your late twenties, not worth it. Um, but yeah, I'm pretty motivated and driven, I would say. And if overcome quite a bit to get where I'm at, I would say, yeah. Yeah. Um, what causes you to grow? That's the next question I had jotted down here. Like, as a, a person, you know, so, I guess like in your, I don't know what way, you know, what kind of growth is really significant to you, but I mean, more of like character as a person and so forth, maturity. Um, what in your life pushes that along? Um, I would say it's partly innate, right? It's always been there. The, the yearning desire to learn and to know about the world around me. Um, I always wanted to travel from a young age. Um, but I think another driver would be my siblings, you know, my family, um, my, my close friends that have been there since I was a kid, you know, they see what you do, you know, people, they, uh, pay attention to your actions. (laughs) And, uh, if I'm doing things growing as a person, it, it rubs off on them and they become better. I've noticed. Um, so, you know, you're, you're always a part of a team in some way. And I would say, you know, for myself and then for my team and, um, you know, just being a curious person since I was a kid, you know, I'm very curious about things. Um, so I, I like to learn, you know, my, my senior year of business school, I actually roomed with two PhDs in neuroscience at the school, which I was, um, I was a bit scared at first because I figured they were, you know, so intelligent that they would be conscious of things that I couldn't possibly be conscious of, right? I was only 25 and they were, Nate, the next guy above me was 32 at the time. And then Harinder was 36, something. And that's a big age gap. Plus these guys are PhDs. Like I must sound like a complete idiot to these guys, but they ended up being super nice. Um, We ended up getting super close. And I learned a lot through them and, hmm. and them being lifelong learners and getting yeah. their PhDs. I think that that really rubbed off on me and was like, you know, being around that crowd, they took me to some symposiums and things like that. 
And I thought, wow, these people are great. You know, they're, they're intelligent. They're, you know, they're dedicated to a science that's probably going to directly impact a bunch of people's lives, you know, and, and help them through medical science or medication or all these other things. Like it's such a positive thing and a positive community. So I think, uh, yeah, I took away a lot from that experience too as well. So was your, um, like your, is your family background, was it a religious background or was it kind of a non-religious background? I would say it wasn't very religious. I mean, I'm, um, I'm, I'm baptized as Catholic and I've been to church and, um, but I didn't spend a lot of time there growing up. Um, and I think it was partly due to the, the military background in my family. I think a lot of people with that military background, they get a lot of, um, it's a very blunt view on life, you know, very kind of, um, this is the way it is, you know, and this is the way it'll happen if you do this or that. Um, so yeah, I, I kind of had more of that, I would say in the background. So, um, okay. So like somewhat of a, um, you were baptized into a Christ, the Christian faith, like a Roman Catholic, I guess. Right. Yeah. yeah okay. That's correct, yeah. So, um, like, are you like familiar with like kind of just the basics, like the basic claims of like the Christian faith and that, that type of thing? Yeah, I've I've heard it in the past, but I'm I'm so disconnected now that uh yeah, I don't I couldn't recite it, you know, I couldn't right. yeah. Yeah, I couldn't tell you very much at this point, but uh yeah. Well, I'm kind of interested in like what someone who's disconnected and not that into it like just what their maybe initial impressions are if like I just kind of sit well, this is like the basic boom boom boom, you know, just how does that hit you like is it seem significant or is it like strange or whatever yeah so like like one of the most um basic things are like we all are kind of mortally fallen like there's some kind of you know if you think of the adam and eve story you know it's like a fall of humanity you know they were in perfect uh the garden and then it's like a decision was made rebellion and then tragically fallen. So that's like one type of thing. So mm-hmm. I don't know how that might hit other people to to kind of, because kind of we're in this society of like, I'm okay, you're okay, we're all okay. So that's like one thing. And then the other aspect would be that God entered into history, our creator entered into history in, um, in Jesus, and then as a sacrifice, like, so not only were we fallen, but we um, were so fallen that we deserve God's judgment. Like he's a, a holy, just God, and he has to, he has to just judge people rightly. So Jesus took our, as a sacrifice, took our um, just substitute for us mm-hmm. and now through that gift we go free we're accepted we're received by him and he's re- and this is like a part of his plan to restore things and bring people to himself and so forth mm-hmm. so like is is that kind of so how what like what are your impressions of that just kind of hearing it from someone who's not like immersed in it and like an outsider somewhat you know 
Um, well, I mean, you know, I've had people ask me this question in the past and I mean, I feel like it's a touchy subject to some people, you know, that have really strong beliefs, but I'm pretty fluid in my beliefs, you know, and I would say that it makes sense, um, to teach people, you know, um, life lessons that are, they're positive, right? I mean, that's essentially what the Bible's doing is it's giving a lot of examples of things to do or not to do and justifications or reasons behind it, you know, um, whether it's like a morality or, or physical health or, or something like that. It's, it's pointing towards a direction on a general consensus that most human beings can agree that these things are right and these things are wrong, right? It's like we've had thousands of years to agree that some things hurt, some things make us feel good, right? And we were trying to get towards the good. Um, and I think that's what most religions aim to do. Um, but there, there are a lot of different religions and I've, I've looked it up at some point and there were just like thousands of religions, you know, we know about the bigger ones, but there's so many that I just have to ask the question like, well, which, who's to decide which one's the, the right one. And what if this one we haven't even heard about? It's, it's 50,000 years old, you know, paganism's not really around, but it was around for a long time, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So I just, I try to understand what the message is. And I think that's the most important part. Um, so yeah, I, I'm, I'm on board with it. I mean, um, you know, if somebody asks me to go to church, like a close friend or something for an event or something, I'm always okay with it. Um, because you know, I'm, I'm open to different ways of thinking. And like I said, I think that it's a positive way of thinking. So so if there's a moral element to a re religion, like that kind of makes sense and so forth, like the um, the fall sacrifice reception, that didn't really have anything to do with do, being good, really. It had more to do with, like, we're, we're bad, you know? Right, yeah. yeah. Punishment is also something I, I notice, right? There's punishment. Um, but I think that's just... It's trying to teach people to be accountable for their actions, right? Or there, there's some way that you're going to be held accountable. Um, but it'd be nice if people didn't really need that, you know, if they could just themselves realize the effect they have on other people, and that's it. You, the effect you have on yourself and other people, I think that's really all you need to understand to hold yourself accountable, <laughs> right? Um, but, you know, it's it's different for everyone, and if that, that works, you know, it's... It's stimulating a certain part of your brain that isn't stimulated by much else, then I'm all for it. So um, this is like kind of what I'm learning or what my impression is. Um, like we are really into being good and doing right. Like you don't have to be religious. Like, you right. know, just think of like the self-help book, self -help books and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. They're all about how to be better, how to... Um, and we're so into it, um, and it's so natural that, um, like, um, when I, I kind of gave you a little synopsis of, like, the, the Christian, uh, you know, viewpoint, the biblical viewpoint, mm -hmm. um, God making us, we fall in, Jesus steps in, sacrifice, we're received. And then, and your response is, like, about being good— and like that didn't have anything to be about being good in it. And I can kind of see uh, what you're talking about as far as, well, I can only understand it, what you're talking about or your response in that that's just what we're all about. So like even if, you know, 
and we just kind of think religion is about that, or we think life is about that. It's all about being good and achieving and 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 stuff like that. So anyway, it just kind of it it makes me just kind of think how big a part that is of that is for all of us, religious, not religious, or whatever, mm-hmm. because um, it just we just think. That's, you know, what we think about a lot. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I think, you know, we do think in terms of if we're being good or bad. <laughs> and right. uh, I think it's a it's a positive human attribute, right? It falls into the spectrum of all the other emotions we have. Um, but yeah, I guess in particular that teaching is referring to more sacrifice, would you say? Or... Um, okay. Yeah, but not necessarily. Um, initially, it's not about us sacrificing. It's about us needing a sacrifice. So um, it's kind of like, if I just try to put it in a more crass way, it's like God good making us and we just plunging into some helpless state. We can't do nothing for ourselves. God comes in. He pulls us out. He draws us near to him and puts his arms around him. We didn't do nothing. He did it all. Mm-hmm. So there's kind of like another way of thinking about the story. So like, what does it have to do about being good or anything? It just has to do with being rescued. But like we hear that and we think, okay, that's about us doing good. It says something about us, I think. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, there's quite a few other other teachings, right, that the the Bible provides us. I mean, there's things about jealousy, there's things about gluttony, there's, you know, all, all kinds of teachings about other, the other spectrums of a human being's mind and emotions. Um, and I think that those are important, too, because those are very real. And if you're not conscious of them, how can you avoid those pitfalls, you know? Well, they are important, but they're in there to show us that we have all fallen short, that we're guilt. It's it's there to kind of like, like, let's say we don't know we're fallen. Like, let's say we don't know we're can- we have cancer. It's like, hey, I need to see the x-ray or something. I need, so the, so the commandments are there, say, you're fallen. Look at this commandment. Don't covet, you do it. So, you know, you have to, so it kind of like, um, it's a, they're in there to teach us that we're plunged down into this place where we can't help ourselves. Here's, here's a commandment, you don't do it. Here's a commandment, you don't do it. Here's a commandment, you don't do it. So that's just the, if you look at the storyline, like the narrative of the Bible, mm-hmm. that's just over and over again, it's just like a cycle. <laughs> And then God comes in, he plunges us out and says, you couldn't do it. There, I'm doing it for you. Mm-hmm. He's a nice guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's kind of a different emotion that comes out of it. Like there is some kind of optimistic type of thing, like achieve, achieving or something. And then there is some kind of different emotion that just can soften someone's heart when it's like, I'm I'm a goner, and he he just lifted me out, and I I didn't deserve it. He's just you know. So there is something heart softening about it that does produce like something good, you know, like a a change of heart, and can melt, you know, like a 
a hard heart and so forth. But yeah. Anyway, um, next question was, um, for you, what is the meaning of life? Um, I would say the meaning of life is to, you've got to find happiness for yourself. And then um, I also believe you, you should try to find happiness for the people you care about. Um, I think those two things kind of go hand in hand. And I think that's really what life is about. I think everything else is just, you know, it's a step to getting there. And I think that that's another thing that maybe some people, they forget about sometimes, you know, in the process. And uh, I would say for me, yeah, that, that would be overall is you just got to be happy. You want the people around you to be happy. And that's that's the end goal. Okay. And then what is the supreme happiness? Like this, the happiness that above all, you know, what is happiness? Happiness is... Um, well, be, being happy and not feeling any any negative emotions, you know, on a usual basis, I guess, you know, not not feeling sad, not feeling worried, not feeling um, discontentment, you know, um, feeling excited, maybe so, some, some comedy and some, you know, <laughs> all the positive emotions, you know. Are you familiar with the book uh, Brave New World? No, I'm not. Okay, so it's kind of like a classic early um, 20th century, I guess, by uh, Adolf Huxley. Yeah, it sounds familiar. I've, I've probably heard of it. Yeah, it's a type of thing that have you read in high school, maybe. Okay. Um, I, didn't, they, I didn't read it. In fact, later I was kind of um, thinking, I should read this. It's kind of like a classic. And then I found out there was a movie on it, and I, read that. <laughs> I saw the movie instead. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Which was um, maybe not the greatest substitute, but it, it kind of got the gist, gist of it. But basically... Yeah. So I don't know. Basically, um, it's um, kind of a utopian type of world, and then there's this one character in it who's um, he's kind of referred to as a savage, and he he lives outside of the world. But um, in this world, everything is provided. I mean, um, and they're proud of it. Like there's no need. Everything is so comfortable. You know, sex, food, rest. There's nothing to grate against them at all. And this, the savage who was kind of like somehow ice out and they brought him in, um, he experienced it and he ended up going back. <laughs> but I, I think kind of like the message is like, um, would we be, if everything was provided, would we be satisfied with that or would we wreck it because we couldn't stand it, you know? Um like right now, it could be that hope draws us forward because we're looking for that happiness, and we don't. But you know, words and the only thing kind of keeping us engaged is something ahead of us. But the thing ahead of us, if we ever did somehow achieve it, we just look around and think, you know, this ain't this um, this is empty or something along those lines. I don't know. Do you have any thoughts about that? Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of people have an idea of what would make them happy. And then when, when they get there, they realize that it's maybe, um, more indirect things that actually affect their happiness rather than maybe like material objects, for instance, you know, people opt to try to have material objects and then they get those and they realize that they maybe needed, friendship in their life more than a new car. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, I think 
yeah, you know, you, you want to get to a place where you feel happy. You know if you're happy or not. And evidently the character of, was the story a brand new world? Was that? Yeah. Um, a brave new world. A brave new world. So yeah. <laughs> the main character of that story, uh, evidently that wasn't what made that individual happy, right? Because they, yeah. they had to give it up in the end. Um, so, you know, life is about learning also. You need to learn what makes you happy and then, you know, try to understand what that is and then pursue that. Um, but yeah, I mean, being in Chicago, I see that quite a bit. Culture in Chicago is like, you know, a go get them culture. And I think some people really burn themselves out, you know, chasing and they don't know really what they're chasing for years. And they get to a certain point and they're like, you know, I just need to move away somewhere and just live on a beach or something. And you see those people who like, you know, they get out of technology and they end up being like a, a world traveler or something. They need to, <clears throat> something else they need, you know? So yeah, I, I think that happens to a lot of people. Do you think that like a go get them culture? So they're, they're going, they're on the path, they're working, they're striving, and then they get there. Um, do you think that, um, the really valuable part of all of that is, um, you know, just that path of working uh, more than once they get to wherever they're going? Yeah, I think it really develops character in people to have to push yourself outside of your comfort zone. And I think when you're on that path, you're outside of your comfort zone quite a bit. So you're you're having to open yourself to other people's ideas. Um, You've got to adjust, you know, and learn. And, um, yeah, I think people... I guess it depends on your journey, right? Some people can have a a really fulfilling journey experience, and some people may look back and say, man, I can't believe I went through that. (laughs) So I guess it really depends on what that journey is like for you, what you learned, what you you gave up in pursuing that. Um, But yeah, I mean, I would say it's a very American thing, you know, to be um, very driven and and goal-oriented. It is. And I noticed that in Europe, that their culture is built around um, appreciating the day. You know, if, yeah. you, if you have a coffee, for instance, in Europe, people really enjoy that coffee. They sit down, they'll have a conversation, and they they enjoy that moment. You know, in, in the U.S., um, as an example, I mean, if you get a coffee, a lot of people are rushing out the door, spilling their coffee on themselves because they've got to get to that next thing. They've got to accomplish what they have to accomplish in that time period. Um, yeah, Europe, I mean, that's another thing I took away was just enjoying life. Yeah, I like that. I was thinking of a, a writing of, called Ecclesiastes, and um, this guy, he talks, he talks about the vanity of life, and he t- um, talks about, you know, I did this, I accomplished this, I got rich, I got all these servants, I got, man, I just did everything I wanted to do, and in the end, it wasn't nothing, and... Um, the only thing I got for it was just the pursuit of it, just the activity of doing it. And he says, um, there ain't nothing better to do but just um, eat and drink and enjoy uh, your spouse. And just um, because um, um, anything you're striving for, um, well, maybe you'll enjoy striving for it, but whatever it is, it's not going to really satisfy you. Yeah, I guess, again, it depends, right? Because what if... What if you're precognizant about this whole situation and you are striving hard to pursue good relationships? Or maybe, you know, you know that you, you want a family, so you're trying to meet the right person to have a family. Um, things like that, I think, are, 
are pretty positive and might lead to a better outcome than the journey itself? I do think um, there are like um, kind of temporal type of things you do. They're hard and what you get out of them can enhance your life. Um, I guess his thinking is kind of more like looking at the big picture of life and so forth, but like on just a smaller scale, you get an education, you get a job that's probably more satisfying than if you just go straight thing, you get straight first job you get out of high school and you just say, Hey, I'll just be happy with that. You know? So yeah. Yeah. The, the type of work I spent my whole life working for. Yeah. Yeah. So it's the aim, right? To get, to get a job, you know, where you work hard and you spend your whole life working hard to get a job where you work hard. I mean, it's kind of the, the American, uh, it's the American way, right? I mean, you work, you work hard your whole life, you know? Um, but I, I try to be conscious of those things, right? I mean, I've got friends that will be working at the steel mill their whole life and, you know, guys I grew up with. And I think about that sometimes and I'm like, oh, you know, is that a good thing or is it a bad thing? I mean, if they have a family that they love and they're doing okay in life, then it's a good thing, I guess. But in the, in terms of, you know, the work you spent your whole life working for, you just worked hard to get to a place doing something that maybe you really don't enjoy. And that's what you're going to do now forever. Right. You know, so the aim is to have flexibility in life for me and, you know, to be able to do the things that I truly enjoy as an individual. And then, um, you've got to have income. So I'm, I'm being, you know, cognizant of that, but you know, at the end of the day, my aim is to fulfill myself as an individual, you know, first and foremost. So, well, we live in a unique time where that's possible. Uh, most of human history, um, uh, well, not a unique not only a unique time, but a unique place. Most of human history um, and a lot of places in the world, you know, there's just not that flexibility because you're more, um, there's certain things, certain life you have to live just to survive for your basic needs and so forth, you know. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I got into this job on purpose because I knew that uh, you could work remotely with technology. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I worked. I lived in Holland for six months at one point, and I worked out of Amsterdam in a, yeah. uh, an office and uh, was on American time, so I was there during the night. But such a great experience, you know. Glad I did that. Is Amsterdam a nice place? It is a nice place. Um, you know, I just was there over the holidays. I spent Christmas there. Um, in the Netherlands and I was in Amsterdam for a couple of days. My cousin lives in the city now. So I visited her while I was there. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I knew I was in Europe when I walked down the old, you know, cobblestone street and, uh, there was somebody with their legs crossed drinking a coffee, just watching people. And these birds were flying overhead and a girl, um, rode a, an older bicycle by and she had the, you know, the little French cap on and it's <laughs> like, man, I'm back. <laughs> you know, it's just so relaxing. And, uh, yeah, it's a nice place. Like I said, you know, there's a different way of life over there with enjoying, you know, the small things. And mm-hmm. when you're in a big area with lots of people walking around and stuff, I mean, you feel it through the body language, the energy, everything. So, I mean, it's a very nice place. Yeah, people are people are very friendly in the Netherlands, too. What's the downside? I mean, it seems really nice. Is there a downside to not being kind of like efficient and driven like we are in the U.S.? Or is it all upside? There is definitely some downside, you know, and I think about both sides of the table, you know, and um, 
I think the downside for them is that they need somebody like the U.S. We actually are that for them, so they really like Americans. Um, but they need somebody to protect them. They okay. need, um, you know, yeah, I mean, military-wise, it's a real thing. Right. And so we, just 60 years ago, saved them. You okay. know, I mean, it wow. really wasn't that long ago. You know what I yeah. mean? And uh, they still need us. If something was to happen with current situations, possibly, you know, they would very much need us. So, you know, that's definitely something I'm conscious of being in Western Europe. It's, it's small, you know, and yeah. even all of Western Europe isn't as big as the United States. And uh, I think about that sometimes, especially having family that had served quite a bit in the American military. Um, that Yeah, they're, they're kind of at our bay i mean you know they're right they're just you know kind of hanging out and uh hoping that we save them if something bad happens so i mean that's it's a real possibility you know and right it's the way the world works unfortunately so it's uh <laughs> yeah that's interesting I, I hadn't really thought of that as far as like a, a downside i was thinking like well you wait forever when you go to an official office to get document or something or something along those lines but like that's a pretty major thing just to have to depend upon a another world power yeah for your to survive you know and so yeah forth. and i i hear it a lot when i'm over there which is maybe why while i'm conscious of it uh, i'm conscious of it because you know people there's people that don't like americans you know and i when you're traveling on your own you're representing an entire country you know 320 million plus people mm -hmm. on your own yeah, and I get these random questions. I was in the Czech Republic visiting, um, well, excuse me, Czechia—they call it now. Okay, um, visiting a friend I had met in Chicago when I worked in hotels, and her and her boyfriend were graduate students in economics, and took me to their their class that evening, and it was at a beer garden because they they like beer over in in Czechia. So, uh, you know, I I got drilled with a lot of questions in that class. You know, the the professor turned towards me, and everybody did, and I just started getting questions. Do all Americans eat McDonald's every day? No, we don't. Um, that's a very small percentage of the country, you know. If something's available, people will eat it, regardless of what country it is. Um, you know, what's going on with politics, this and that. So, I mean, I'll answer generally and to the best of my ability, but um, it's a clear indication what people are thinking by the questions they ask. And, you know, they. I had one guy in Amsterdam when I was just about to head uh, back to the U.S. I think this was probably literally December 29th, just this past Christmas, and um, he did not like Americans, you know, and we had a, a very, I would say, cordial conversation about it, and I really didn't respond to some of the things he was saying. I just answered with another question to try to gain some insight, but you know, he he had said we were very like selfish and that we uh, think we're the best at everything and we're entitled. And I said some of those things might be true to an extent, um, but I think the main issue at hand is that other countries are overly conscious about us because they're constantly being fed a stream of information about us through our news. I mean, we own most of the media and technology in the world. Well, most of the media, I'll say, um, and people are very conscious of us, you know? So you're being overly conscious about the fact that we're obsessed with the NFL, which was something that he did mention, but you're not being overly conscious about maybe a war that's happening in the current day and why that's happening and maybe who's taking, you know, more action in that, that conflict and being very involved with it, you know? 
you're not thinking of that because you're overly conscious about us eating McDonald's. But is that really a, you know what I mean? So that was my thought process. I answered his questions, but I think again, it's just, it's like being the, the popular person, right? I mean, or being a famous actor, whether you do good or bad, you're, you're in the limelight and people are judging you. If they're right. not conscious of another person or situation, they know, never knew it existed. Right. So I try to keep that in mind. You know, we're the popular country basically in the world. So a lot of people are talking about us. They have ideas or feelings about us. And uh, I think as an American, if you're traveling abroad, that you just, you should keep that in mind. You know what I mean? I think that's important. Yeah. Yeah. I can see how, um, if people were trying to figure out what Americans are like by our media, how <laughs> that could give them like a kind of a strange, um, might be skewed view. a little bit. Right. I mean, yeah. <laughs> Cause our media is a little sensational. It's meant to entertain us. So like, it's not going to be just your normal everyday American life. Probably you know? they take into consideration ratings on, on the, the news outlets. So yeah, that is that's true. Yeah. Right. So, Okay, um, so I guess, um, you know, some of these things I jotted down, they're just, I think I already know them, uh, but I like what, um, how you would answer them just from just our talk already, but let's just skip, I'm going to skip down to this question because I think it's important and you did bring up how important relationships are. Mm -hmm. And uh, what have you learned about relationships um, just through your experience of life? Anything that's been helpful or meaningful to you? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, I think it all boils down to other people caring about other people, right? Your your best friendships or your best relationships that you remember are people who had a positive impact on you in some way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, at 13 years old, I was that guy in school. I already had a serious girlfriend, you know, so I, I was that guy. And I think we dated for four years until yeah. late high school. Mm-hmm. So I had the same girlfriend that entire time. And I would say that was my first love. And I think that that definitely builds character in a person. I remember, you know, being 14 years old, you know, and you see all your, your buddies, they get their first girlfriend and then they lose that girlfriend and they change. They they mature. Hmm. Okay. You know, um, it's like they were woken up a little bit. Um, and I think that that, you know, that's that's helpful in life, you know, to have that. Like they say, it's better to 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 have loved and lost rather than to have never loved at all. Um, that you're, you're learning through those, those relationships and to love someone. Um, and in Chicago, you know, I had another serious relationship and she was a great person and had a really big effect on how I would treat relationships moving forward because we ended on a positive note and we kept it positive the entire time and we're, we're good to each other. I mean, after we had broken up, I was still in Chicago. She knew I wasn't from Chicago if I called her and asked her for help, she would give me help. And she actually did at one point. I broke my my arm out one night with some friends. We were celebrating a friend graduating um, engineering school and getting his first position. And we decided to run up some art sculpture on campus. And uh, I slipped off the top and fell and broke my arm. And wow. that was probably 1 a.m., you know. And she, she came to the hospital and saw me. And oh, wow. 
yeah, I think it just really touched my heart. And I was like, how can somebody just, you know, you, you, when you truly love someone, you care about them as an individual, right? It's not the relationship or, or the time variable that made you guys care about each other because there's that thing where you, when you end things, it's done. And if I guess there's a particular reason it makes sense otherwise, I think you should always just keep it positive, right? End things positively. And even if you didn't work out, I mean, there's a reason, but what, you know, no harm done, then, you know, treat each other right kind of thing, you know? So I, I really, I think that really affected me, yeah, to treat people right, you know? <laughs> I was listening to someone talk about, like, previous cultures at, or times and how um, friendship was, like, a really important aspect of life, really valued, and it's kind of more in our own in our current day society that the romantic relationship is kind of like put on the forefront as like, this is what's going to fulfill my relational needs in life. And it, it was suggested that it might be because we have in our, since in our industrial modern and transient um, culture, we've lost a friendship where we don't value like non-romantic friendship. So um, kind of the romantic friendship becomes like the primary thing we focus on when we think of relationship. Um, But it just kind of, um, it was interesting to me just to think about how, you know, sometimes we don't think about it because we're just like a fish in water. This is just, you know, but maybe it's not as normal for humans as it is for us to think about to put such a priority on the romantic relationship rather than just friendship in in general Mm -hmm. and to really value friendship like the i think it's the hellenistic writers and then other writers throughout history this particular one he was referring to like um an early ansom um he may he was an early uh, christian writer maybe i forget when three, four hundreds or so, I'm not sure. But anyway, um, and just talking about the value of friendship, I think even, I don't know, up into modern times, it was maybe like that. I don't know, have you ever thought about that type of thing? Just, you know, non-romantic friendships and just uh, valuing them or, or how to nurture them or how to, because it's so easy to have to grow up with these friendships, but then you leave and you disperse and they just fall away maybe after college is over or whatever, you know? Yeah. Um, I have absolutely thought about this and I mean, I've looked into some cultures in the world that live really long and you know, I've looked up reasons why, like what are they doing with their lifestyle? What are they eating? And one of the main factors is that they surround themselves with people and they never isolate themselves. Yeah. And they, they live longer and they live better. Um, yeah. So there is some connection, you know, between that and our direct individual health. And I, I really believe that. Yeah. And I would say I'm definitely the, the type of guy, the glue that sticks my friends together kind of guy. Hmm. Um, in Chicago, you know, I, I'm known to be a guy who keeps in touch with everybody, you know, and, and back home too. I mean, I've had the same best friend since I was 11 or 12. And we were just at the gym a couple of days ago. Oh, really? I mean, yeah, wow. so we've been friends for, I mean, over 20 years, you know, 20 plus years. And I have another friend who I'm going to be one of his uh, groomsmen in his, his wedding. Yeah. I've known him since I was about seven. And it's really interesting to see your friends change throughout their lives. And 
even the guy who's having the wedding, I mean, he, he didn't go to college, but he, he is, he has a job at worldwide technology as a project manager. It was interesting to watch how he got there. You know, he's always been pretty good about that stuff. Um, so yeah, I, I keep my friends and I'm really, you know, that's something I really focus on. I will call people out of the blue, like, how are you doing? You know, and we should get together. Yeah. And, uh, I truly believe in that. Yeah. You know, when you were saying about how people are normally together in other cultures, there was this one guy listening to him talk, and um, he he was like, he he left home as a young person, he gets to this hotel room, and he's just sitting in the hotel room, and it's so strange, because it's like one of the first times in his life that he's just all by himself. <laughs> and he, you know, like in some cultures, you're always with people, and it seems... Yeah. I know it seems like that would really be different, but uh, you know, as far as like keeping up on friendships, is there a systematic way that you do that? So, because like for me, a lot of times things are just good intentions, um, and if I'm really going to make something happen, it's like I have to have some kind of a plan. I have to have like it's going to be I'm going to call this person this date, that date, or something. Or is it not like that for you? You just um, have carry this with you and it just gets done you know the keeping up and so forth yeah i think it's intuitive for me um so i sometimes maybe i'm the opposite where i don't plan as much as i probably should um you know if i'm in chicago maybe like two days before i'll say hey i'm gonna be there do you <laughs> you want to meet up this night and maybe grab a coffee or something if you're free yeah. that'd be great if you're not i completely understand um, so if I feel like I'm starting to lose touch with somebody, you, you get that feeling like you're not as close to them, then I think maybe that's the time that I, I reach out to them, you know, and pull yeah. them closer again. Um, so that's just kind of the way I, I do it. You know, if I feel like we need to work on this relationship, we need to talk, we need to spend time together. I need to understand where you're currently at, then I'll make it happen. You know, I'll come to you if I have to, but I, I definitely want to hold on to my relationship. So, Yeah. Um, any particular books or anything that's made a big impact on you or relationships, you know, say my, my grandmother, um, she bought me, um, a set of Britannica encyclopedias when I was a kid and I had a bookshelf in my closet with all these encyclopedias. And I remember, um, yeah, I would read through the encyclopedias when I was bored um, and I learned quite a bit and she always told me to keep reading, keep learning, you know, and she, she also got me this book called, uh, what in the world. It was just this huge book full of all these random, really interesting facts. And I also remember Dr. Seuss in preschool, um, over the places you'll go by Dr. Seuss kind of stuck in my head. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, just <laughs> things like that, you know, um, which really, it was ex- exciting facts, things that stimulated my curiosity. It gave me a certain feeling, and I think that I get that same feeling when I travel abroad and I'm you know, speaking to somebody or experiencing something new. Um, that's really something that I enjoy. And I think you know, my past trip to the Netherlands this time around, uh, I think the, one of the coolest new things I experienced was when I went to a sauna house. So... As I met you, we both right. enjoy the sauna, right? So I was in Europe, and I, I thought to myself, I really need to go sit in a sauna. I had actually drank a little bit on, on Christmas and uh, was like, well, it would be a good day to go just sit in the sauna. 
and you know kind of sweat out all the toxins etc and uh, yeah in germany and holland they have places that are standalone sauna like houses and i didn't know at the time but after i got there i realized that it was co-ed and it was you know you're you're fully naked you know in there it's european and i thought to myself well i'll give it a go i mean you know just do you have a towel no you take it off before you get in (laughs) okay yeah and uh it's interesting. The place is, it's very luxurious. And I mean, it was probably one of the nicest places I've been. And they had a, like a luxury restaurant where you go sit in your robe. When you're walking around, you wear a robe. Mm-hmm. And uh, they give you this watch that's um, like an RFID watch where you, you scan it and just press it up against things to be charged. And you wear that your entire day. It's waterproof. And then you pay on your exit. Mm-hmm. So, you know, a lot of the saunas were themed. And steam rooms, they were all eucalyptus steam rooms, you know, so it was nice to, to breathe that in. And uh, there was one that was themed like the Taj Mahal, and it had like a screen in there with an elephant walking across it. And then like these lights, and it was really made to create an ambience that was really relaxing. And they had other like uh, saunas that were like uh, somewhere hotter than others and things like that. And then you know, in particular, I think the vibe I picked up, you know, on the, the German Dutch vibe was when you go inside, everyone's making eye contact too. And they're, they're really like open with their body language, you know? So it, it was a really good experience because not only do you get that physical well being, but there was a synergy with the, the community, you know, being in there, it was like, we were all experiencing this together and we were comfortable to, to be there together. And I was like, wow, this is, probably an old way of thinking right that it just really makes sense to me you know as an american it was really refreshing and um yeah all ages i mean you have families in there and it's just a very pragmatic point of view from the germans and dutch where this is what we are this is you know we're here together you know this is just it it's neither bad nor good you know enjoy yourself <laughs> That's really interesting. Yeah, I I'd love to go back. I think when I go back to Holland, I'll absolutely be going. Probably back. I think I went to one of the largest in the country. Mm-hmm. That I was told by a few people, and I actually um, spoke to a, a couple girls in there, and it was their first time as well. They were Dutch. I told them I was American, and uh, they said I was at one of the largest in the country. So I, I guess I chose the right spot the first time around, and it was. Yeah, just really nice, really nice locker rooms and things like that. They they mm-hmm. like that stuff over there. So, yeah, I was appreciative of it. I mean, I, I wish we had that in the U.S. And uh, So as far as like this culture of community, I wonder what, you know, you ever think about our suburbs, you know, like they're not walkable. You're, you're, the thing on the front of your house is your garage, so it kind of symbolizes like you just are getting into your car and going and coming and you're just inside. Yeah. like. So as far as this culture of community and connection, it makes me wonder, how can that be cultivated over here, um, at least somewhat in one's own community or something like that? I don't know. I think about that all the time because, you know, experiencing it in Europe and then obviously you're you're subconsciously comparing things, right? When you, you yeah. go come back home or you're in a new place. Um, but in Chicago, I would say that there's a, a European vibe as far as the community goes. Hmm. 
And as far as the walkability goes, and a lot of people ride bikes, which is similar to Europe. So um, I yeah. think that there's a European vibe there. And in Chicago, you know, we refer to the suburbs as the burbs. So people know <laughs> there's a clear difference um, between the lifestyles and the types of people you meet. Um, and I think I, I really enjoy that about Chicago. And I think, that, you know, New York and uh, there's there's other places that have, you know, that type of vibe. I just think there's pockets of them, you know. They're not as common as Europe, obviously, but... Uh, yeah, in Chicago, you definitely get that vibe. What do you think about this area here, St. Louis, and especially, I guess, Jefferson County, which is a little different maybe even than St. Louis? But. Yeah, um, I think that outside of St. Louis and the, the suburbs of St. Louis, it's very American as far as you need a car to get around. Yeah. Um, you know, people are a little bit more distant. Culture, culture-wise, I mean, people are a little bit more closed off in the Midwest, than yeah. maybe the West Coast or, you know, even up North maybe. Um, but yeah, I'm conscious of it and I'm, I'm moving back to Chicago in a week. Oh, are you? Yeah. Okay. So my, my job wants to be back in Chicago because that's where I was originally hired and our clients are up there. So mm-hmm. I'll be going there for at least a year, maybe 18 months, depending, um, maybe forever. I don't, I'm just going to give it a full go, yeah. <laughs> open myself up to it and whatever happens, happens. But uh, I'm looking forward to that aspect, you know, the walkability and things like that. It feels good to have a meal, have dinner, and then you go walk in the neighborhood and maybe, yeah. you know, see a couple people you know. I mean, there's something special about that. Yeah, I've enjoyed downtown Kirkwood because it's kind of like that. Yeah, I love Kirkwood. I think that's probably my favorite spot in St. Louis for that reason. There's the walkability, and I think the people are pretty friendly over there. Yeah, and my sister and brother live up in Newtown. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that, but that's no. it's an intentional community where they built it with that in mind. So it's in St. Charles area, but it's like a sub community within St. Charles. It's got its own shops and everything. And, and it's walkable, very friendly. Mm -hmm. Like your, the houses are just right together. You step out and you're like, they're in the backyard of someone else's house. They're, you know, they're just kind of like that, but check it out. Yeah. Um, okay. So I got a couple questions just to wrap up with, but before, Going on to that, is there anything you wanted to ask me or anything else that you wanted to bring up as, you know, or anything along those lines? No, I mean, I've, I've, I guess as far as, you know, sending a message out to people, I would just say that, uh, you know, based on my own personal experiences and meeting a lot of people, you know, in Chicago and different areas of the U.S. and, and living abroad, speaking directly to Americans, I would say that it's important for us to keep learning and to to keep that, that hat on that made us original from the beginning. You know, I think being in different places in the current day and having friends in different countries, like I've been to Finland. I have a lot of friends in in Britain because I work for an English company. So most of my coworkers are English, um, that I hear a lot of perspectives and, um, I guess I'm just at this point a little concerned about our competitiveness, not from maybe um, a production standpoint, but from just opening our minds to continuous learning, being conscious and aware of the world, and not closing ourselves off to other ideas. And I think that'll keep us competitive from a standpoint that uh, keeps us happy and keeps us living well and things like that. So just like taking away from Holland, I mean, you know, they're 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 saying hi when they walk down the street and things like that. And I think if we embrace um, you know, more openness and things like that, that will be successful in the long run, you know, as a country. And that's, that's something that I care about. So, yeah, it's good. Um, well, so I, there's two sides of this. One question was like, I was just going to ask you, you know, is there kind of any kind of 
weakness that, you know, in your character personality that you're okay with just sharing that you and how you might deal with that? And then I'm going to kind of ask you a question just to find, to end things, you know, on the flip side, just your strength or so forth. But anything as far as like um, something that you have had to overcome or continue to, you know, um, have to work with and how you've worked through that in your, you know, as far as who you are? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I would say the first thing that comes to mind for me is I'm way too hard on myself. Okay. And maybe I, I get a little obsessive about some things, mm-hmm. maybe things that I can't change, right? Because yeah. uh, in a way, I'm a perfectionist. So, you know, um, I think sometimes it's good just to live and let go. You know, you have to understand what you can and cannot change. And if it's affecting you in a negative way to obsess about things that you cannot change, then you've got to let go. And I think that's something that I've had to work on, Um, you know, as a person, bettering myself, you know, learning, um, wanting to do things for people I care about, you know, and worrying about other people making mistakes is um, something that maybe I do too much. And recently, especially the last couple of years, I'm learning to just focus on myself, you know, what I can do for myself, what I can do for other people and just focusing on, on being the best that I can and enjoying the the ride along the way. Um, Hmm. and not always worrying about tomorrow. Yeah. Okay. So in what way are you, you unique in such a way that you can contribute something to the world in a way that, um, you know, like it's a strength. It's not like just, you know, some way that you're able to do so that, um, yeah, what's your strength? <laughs> well, if everybody would like to visit www.timetracker365.com, I can provide you with software that uh, eases the pain of mobile time tracking for your employees. <laughs> mobile time tracking for your employees. So that's like uh, keeping track of hours for um, payroll and stuff like that? Yeah, for employees that are out and about, maybe do deliveries, maybe you have people at different job locations. So it's specifically designed for that. Um, I say that a little sarcastically, you know, that's probably not the best thing I can offer the world, but if anyone is interested, I mean, well, that's the software company. And I'm kind of looking for on. that right now. <laughs> I take care of the administrative side of a lawn care business, Okay, and we're looking for, like, um, we were keeping a track of people's hours. You know, they come into the garage, they yeah. sign in, at the end of the day, they sign out, but now we're kind of, like, in a couple different locations, so we're trying to do it through phone app. I looked at something called Clockwise or something, or... Yeah, I might have checked them out because I've looked at a lot of the competitors in the landscape. Right. So, yeah. But I should keep that in mind because we're yeah. just wanting to use a simple phone app yeah. where everyone can clock in and clock out, and then I can work out their payroll, you know. But, yeah, we're working on the brevity of the app and just making what it does simple but but works very well with what it does. So, um, you know, people, you can do geo-tracking. You yeah. can see where people are currently at. If they don't check into a, a specific geolocation, you know they didn't really go where they were supposed to go and maybe you clogged in from home things like that so uh yeah keep it in mind but i guess um you know on a more serious note i would say as far as something that i offer um i think if i have to look from the outside in i I would say that it was always just the the open openness and willing to learn and and um you know socialize with different types of people um i was an everybody guy in high school you know i i hung out with the, the people in band i hung out with athletes, um, maybe more the party crowd, uh, maybe people who are more introverted, you know, things like that. I I talk to everyone and I treat everyone the same. 
And I would say that that's um, a strength of mine, you know, and, and I think people notice it when they get to know you, if you're genuine or not. And it comes out through, you know, the way that you're treating other people around you, you know, and I think that's really helped open doors for me because it's really in the end, like they say, it's all about who you know, right? Um, you could have all the technical information in the world, but the opportunities come through other people. And um, I think, you know, realizing that has, has helped me along the way. Yeah. Well, thanks, Ryan. It's been good. It's been a good episode. I appreciate you as a guest. So thank you very much. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. <laughs>